Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing Podcast. Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew and Pastor Neil Radical here as we continue to work our way through the Psalms, Lord willing, chronologically. Today will be a little bit different. We have a short Psalm, Psalm 133, and we have mentioned before how we've done study ahead of time uh, before we got into the Psalm discussion and talk here. Today, because of the time that we have and just trying to keep on top of things, uh, we're going to just do our study and record it. So again, you kind of get to hear how we go through the process. We've both studied this psalm in the past, but what we're going to do is try to compile those thoughts in the next 20, 25 minutes. And so if you're listening in, it might be a little bit disjointed, not as smooth as in the past, but if you know myself and uh, Nathaniel, we are disjointed ourselves. So <laughs> uh, good to see you today, Nathaniel. Ready to go? Absolutely. I'm just going to use a a quote from one of my favorite movies when I was a child. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Because that's what everybody's getting a glimpse at today, the man behind uh, the curtain. I agree. Do you want to start us with prayer, at least, so we start out right? Absolutely. Dear Lord God, we come before you, and we thank you for entrusting to us your word of truth. We also thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word and to grow in our knowledge and understanding of all that you have done for us, the many blessings that you continue to bestow upon us throughout our daily walk here in time and as we look to spending eternity with you. We ask that you would bless our study here today, that you would cause us to grow and, and deepen in our understanding of who you are and what you have done for us, to bring us to a greater appreciation of what this means for us in our daily lives and the joys of, in particular, the unity that you have given through the power of your word and the work of your spirit in and through your word and sacraments. We ask that you would bless our study through this, as well as those who are listening, that we might all come to that greater appreciation and understanding of your word. All this we ask in your saving name. Amen. Amen. Uh, for those who are listening and you can't really see, I just so you know what's in front of us here, I have my Bible open. I, I have a wide margin Bible, so I take notes with the comments that we make. Uh, we, I have my Bible Works program up, which helps me look up uh, Hebrew words and looks up some of those things faster when we run into a, something we want to spend more specific time on. We also have a doc that Nathaniel and I share online where we basically go through the reading and then we have a number of different sections which we'll comment. So we'll just try to do this out loud with not like presenting it, so to speak, but just kind of discussing it. And we hope we don't lose you. But anyway, uh, we're not going to focus so much on the listener right now. We're going to focus on our study. So Nathaniel, you want to take us through those three short verses of Psalm 133? Right. If you're following along, we are taking a look at Psalm 133. So nearing the end of the 150 Psalms. So if you think about just 150 of them total, uh, this is the 18th to last. Uh, so we're nearing the end. Only three verses long, one of the shorter Psalms also. We have a little bit of historical information in the opening verse as well. So I'm reading from the New King James Version. A song of ascents of David. And here it goes. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. 
It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So one of the things that jumps out at me right away as we take a look at this psalm, Neil, is the title at the very beginning, A Song of Ascents. Probably, probably a good thing to cover that to begin with. There's a, a whole series of songs of ascent. Do you want to cover what that is? I mean, just kind of speaking freely here, if you're going around Psalm 122 to, you know, there's a number of them in the 20s and 30s here. And ultimately, what I always think of is they're on their they're ascending up to Jerusalem, you know, whether they're coming down from Damascus or surrounding countries, it doesn't matter which way they're coming from, because Jerusalem was on a hill. And so ascending up to the temple to worship any time of the day or month or year, whatever festival it was, these are the hymns they would sing on the way to church. So I like to think of it that way. They're they're singing praises before they get to God's house. <laughs> that always makes me feel kind of shameful. Like, uh, do I sing on the way to church? Am I that excited to go to church? I feel like I have a lot of growth to do when it comes to being a Christian because these Old Testament believers were singing on their way to the house of God. It, you know, so that's the first thing I think of whenever I hear a song of a sense. Oh, I don't do that very often. I should do that more. <laughs> I like to compare the songs of ascent to the opening of service hymns in our hymnal. So if you open up the very beginning of your hymnal, hymn one to about hymn 11, hymn 10, I guess, are the opening of service hymns. And they're the hymns like you were talking about that sort of just kind of prepare you for what's coming in the worship service. So most of our churches, you go into church, you sit down, you might read a psalm that's listed in the bulletin for some a pre-service devotion time. And then one of the very first things that happens may be an opening prayer, but then generally you have an opening hymn. And that hymn, we only have a couple of them, uh, but they, they kind of just get our hearts ready for worship. And that's what these Psalms are doing. I love the, the example that you say, you know, here they are, they're on their way up to Jerusalem. So they're climbing up from the lowlands towards Jerusalem and the temple, which is why it's called a song of ascent of going up in preparation for coming to the Lord's house. It wasn't David, his, his house, his palace would, wasn't that, that wasn't higher than the temple. Wasn't the temple the highest point? In Jerusalem, yeah, probably uh, remember. Yeah, I don't know if it. That. I don't know if it would have been any. It, it's so hard to tell now because so so much has been destroyed over time, and I, I don't know and if there's anything that actually so says it. Yeah, yeah. But but it is. It does. It is called the Temple Mount. So as you come across the Kidron Valley and back up, on the opposite side, it stood on, basically right on the corner over the Kidron Valley, mm -hmm. and so it does seem like it probably what would have been the highest place in Jerusalem, but I don't know if we know that for sure. Yeah, I'm not seeing on my map where his temple was. Uh, when you see around the time of Christ, Herod's palace would have been in the northwest corner. So again, if you're descending down and going back up, I'm pretty sure the temple, from what I've read, is probably the highest point. Um, but again, depends on what time frame you're looking at. So. All right, so that's some of the background there. Anything else you want to add to background there? Well, again, the second thing that's noted in the introduction is that this is, again, a psalm of David. We don't have any historical background. In this case, it doesn't tell us when this might have been written, other than the fact that it was written during David's life. As we go through the psalm, we might take a look at a couple of the issues, and, and this might have something to do with the 
maybe the anointing of David himself as king after that. We've been talking a lot about Saul recently, mm-hmm. but with some of the examples of oil and anointing and um, the idea of some kind of celebration that's a part of this, it might indicate that this this could have been written about around the time when finally Dave, Saul is dead and David is anointed as king. That would just be a, a, yeah, a likely. I, I totally agree. It seems like it fits early on in his, whether it's Saul is still hunting him and he's lamenting how important it would be for him or Jonathan to be united you know, as a nation and very scattered or with his own sons fairly early on in his uh, kingdom reign that again, he's got that family or leadership disunity here and so it's it's a very timely psalm that someone could probably say well it fit any part of his life but i definitely think it, it belongs earlier on because he's talking about how pleasant it is and we like you mentioned with some of the places he's talking about as far as the illustrations of it goes uh it seems a little bit more likely about in his running around years away from saul he's re- remembering places he had run to whether it be in verse three herman or the mountains of zion you know, he's talking about places he'd been and what he appreciated and, and the relief he experienced from that. So there's a neat connection there as we'll get into with those things. One of the other interesting points then as we get from the introduction to the first main part of the verse, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's, that's the main theme of the psalm. And if we think about going up and preparing for worship, the association of worship at the temple with, well, and, and again, this may not have been the temple. These Psalms of Ascent, that title was written later on. So if you, if, let's say that this Psalm was written when David was anointed king. If that's the case, then the temple hadn't been constructed yet. But what happens is later on, the Jews recognize the value of this psalm as an opening of service hymn, so to speak. So it's given the title Song of Ascents later on in its history. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. so we kind of have to, we, we don't want to associate the fact that, well, David wouldn't have written this necessarily in that context, but when later Jewish people saw the the value of preparation for worship, kind of like our opening of service hymns, they might not necessarily have been written that way, but now we see that they certainly appropriately fit in that context. So worship and unity, what an important connection there. Yeah, for sure. Going to, going to God's house and then the pleasantness of unity. And notice the difference between the theme in this psalm as opposed to some of our previous psalms, which are are there's a note of despair or discouragement or disappointment that have that have been themes or, or fear in our last one. This one has a very upbeat message. For how sure. good, how pleasant it is, unity as opposed to division. And then we have two illustrations. Uh, Neil was working on reorganizing our psalm. And <laughs> no, no, this is good. So if you're looking at this yourself at home, if you look at your your main theme in verse one, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity verses two and three give us two illustrations don't they yeah precious oil and dew so take us into those since you're you're thinking this through neil as you're as you're reorganizing this yeah you and i both like to highlight things and so the first thing that comes out you know number one's the statement you know and i i guess i've often thought this could be a rhetorical question behold i'd like to look that up in the hebrew to see if we can find that out maybe you can do that while i'm talking here for a second but 
behold, first of all, that's the clear attention. Pay attention to this, David's saying. You know, we're going to sing about this. Take notice, as the Lord uses that word behold with us. How good, how pleasant. I'd like to check what those are out in the Hebrew as well. For brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity is the antecedent of it is like, it is like in verses 2 and 3. So the two illustrations, like you just mentioned, is this precious oil and then the dew of Hermon. And it's interesting how those two things are very similar in what they're to provide. And so the one talks about what the oil does for the individual. And then uh, verse three says what the dew does for the, the landscape. So one might say, and both of it has to do with dryness. And what's interesting here, I think, I got to put this down as Psalm thoughts before, is that there's a problem that the unity resolves. You know, obviously it's disunity in the context of you not being united. And you could talk about all the negatives about what does it mean to not be united? I might think of, well, the first closest relationship I have could be with the Lord, is with the Lord, you would say. And I, you know, my sin separates my unity with Christ. And so I need Christ to restore that and reconciliation and, and to bring a peaceful relationship. The second close relationship I would have would be with my wife. How does that bring disunity? And that whole idea of friends or family or coworkers, there's a dryness, there's a, there's a tensity, there's a brittleness, there's a bitterness towards the dryness. And I want Again, that's disunity, and he gives these two illustrations of it. Interrupt me anytime because I just keep going, right? So, um, <laughs> no, that, yeah, that, those are all good. Um, what if we were to reverse this? So, just to give some perspective, unity, and, and I love this idea of to dwell together. You you mentioned that to begin with, dwelling together. This has to do with community, right? Uh, yes. Living together, and you were talking about our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, the, the two closest relationships that we have. But if we turn this around, that if we do not have unity, then the opposite would be true. In other words, that's not good, and it's not pleasant. It's it's bad, and it's miserable when people don't dwell together in unity. So if we kind of reverse that and we get the opposite, it shows us just how important that is. And sometimes we lose sight of just how precious this thing is, which is what David is trying to get across to us. Again, this one, one of the reasons why it makes me think that this is after Saul is gone. All of those years of hunting, being hunted, of struggling with the, the problems of, of Saul hunting him down. And it's almost like this Psalm now is written in the context of seeing David is now at this piece, at this point of, of peace in his life where the Lord has finally given him deliverance from the struggles and the, the hunting of Saul. And he's realizing, finally realizing this goodness and how important and valuable this is. And a lot of times in our lives, we have a hard time appreciating those things until they're taken away. And when something like that, when we lose something like David lost that when Saul was hunting him down, and now he has it. He looks at it now and he says, this is good. This is pleasant when we have this unity, when we are able to dwell together in unity. I like it you did the flip side there with the not good, not pleasant, you know, and the whole idea of pointing to the unity there. So these illustrations, can you, I know, can you comment on those a little bit more as far as the, the oil upon the beard or oil upon the head was the first thing you think of with that? 
Well, oil is generally associated with this idea of anointing. We think of the Christ, the Messiah in the Old Testament, which means the anointed one. So the prophets, the priests, the kings were anointed. It was the way, it was part of their, uh, part of their procedure. Like laying on of hands kind of thing. Yeah, being elected and chosen, but, but God's purpose, God's stepping in, he's the one who's choosing this. But oil was also something that had to do with celebration, and and wealth so the idea imagine you know pouring pouring oil over your head and you have this picture of aaron you know running down on the beard so there's so much oil on the head the anointing and it's it's uh it covers the the whole head and the shoulders and the beard and that might seem like you know ooze you know yeah not 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 a good thing but in this case it demonstrates again that god is at work behind the scenes god is the one who's doing the choosing and we're seeing this taking place in front of us, and it it almost promises God's blessing, doesn't it? When God mm-hmm. chose Aaron to be his representative, the priest before his people, that was something that was a joyful, uplifting thing for the people to see that and to know this is God's chosen one. And, and Aaron was very much a part of that. The connection between God and his people you were talking about the close relationship between us and God. Well, the, the priest was that mediator between that. So that's that's the first illustration is the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. So so much so that it's it's on our clothes and and bringing that all the way down. How I about like this? Oh, go I was ahead. Gonna say, just to follow, uh, sometimes we have down here our cross references and Psalm 23 talks about that, you know, with my head with oil, my cup overflows. So speaking about that shepherd, our good shepherd being the one who anoints us and gives us that. Well, you, I like the way you said that, you know, the anointing of a prophet, priest, and king. It's like the Lord is using this anointing to say, you are my messenger. You are my witness. And what I love that the connection between Psalm 23 is that he anoints my head with oil. He's chosen me to be his sheep, to, to, to continue to be a part of his service and part of his work. And uh, it's a nice contrast there. One of the other things that I thought about as far as a cross-reference would be when Mary comes and anoints the feet of Jesus just before his death and, and burial. And, and so, again, we're told that that was a very, very expensive, costly oil or perfume is sometimes the words that, that's used for that. And, and that has to do with that being chosen. You know, she was preparing Jesus for his burial, he commented there. So that's that's an interesting connection to this too. You you pointed out the fact that God has chosen us, which is something we should be greatly thankful for. But remember that He was chosen by His heavenly Father to carry out the work that needed to be done in our place, also. So, and that is also precious to us. James also mentions it in connection with uh, the work of the elders of the church. We don't really do that. I kind of wish we would more often, where the elders would bring a devotion and anoint the sick with oil, you know, as a comforting thing, as a as a reminder of the Lord's love for them and talk about it in prayer for others too. So bringing back the idea of that unity is, it's not just what it means and what it looks like as well. I really like that aspect of it too. Um, kind of leading from, do you have anything else? Well, I guess nope. I want to say one more thing with the running down the edge of his garments. The first thing I think of is it begins with the head and runs down through the garments. And again, you think of, I think that's such a great picture of Christ again, because he is our head. And the anointing that was given to him benefits the rest of the body. 
And so maybe it's a little bit of a stretch here, but that whole idea of the high priestly beard of Aaron, you think of our high priest, you know, we talk about anointing here, a short psalm, but some very profound thoughts in here with this illustration. So you could think about the individual, about the oil means with the anointing there, but you could think about the body of Christ, you know, with Christ being the anointed as our high priest, what does his work as our high priest mean for us running down to his garments, to his church as well, those white garments that's been washed with blood. So again, maybe a little bit of a stretch with that verse too, but again, in contrast, what David is looking for, the Messiah, leading the people to look for Messiah, to be united in Jehovah, the Lord God, what is our eyes fixed on, unity in worshiping the one true God and his promises. I don't, it could be a little bit of a stretch, but I think those thoughts fit hand in hand what David is praising the Lord for, united in the word, in the, in the one true God, in the promises that one true God has made for his people. Well, and backing it up, let's remember why these illustrations are here. So this oil running down on the head is a picture of unity and the goodness and pleasantness that comes as a result of, of unity between the brethren. So we have that one picture of God's blessing. His, he's got his representative there. Then we get to the second illustration, verse three. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. This has always been an interesting one to me, Neil. We're familiar with Zion. That was the mountain upon which Jerusalem was built where the temple was. That's the, the mountain that they would have been going up. But Hermon was far to the north up in the region of Syria. And Hermon was the highest of the mountains in that area. And it was one of the only mountains that was snow covered year round. So they would actually go up and bring snow down from that for you know water and ice and things like that, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. But notice the, par the parallel that David is making here, that unity, dwelling together in unity is like the dew of Hermon, but, but not at Hermon, but at Zion. It's like the precious, you know, you think about farmers, especially in our neck of the wood right now with all the drought and everything, yeah. they're looking for rain. And, and so this drew, do any water that you can get is a good thing for farming and for cultivation. Unity is like the dew of Hermon, but coming down on Zion, on uh, where the church is, where God's presence is among his people. And then he goes on, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. It's not Hermon, but Zion, where the Lord's house is, where his blessing is, where he, he gives us his word, where his presence is revealed. Jesus there appeal, uh, appears in the temple. We go on to Haggai, and it's not this temple, you know, this new temple that was built after the destruction, but the glory that will dwell in that temple, which is Jesus himself. So there's a lot of connections there to this, this joy and the unity that revolves around God's word and around his presence and his sacraments and his word that bring us that true unity. Well, and if someone was to argue, well, this isn't talking about that unity in God's word. Well, you just said it, the, the glory in the temple where the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. That's, that's totally gospel connected right there. You know, we have a little spot here where we talk about law and gospel. You already mentioned the disunity among the people of God, whether it be in their work for their God or in the word of God. But now here you're talking about that would be more the law. Here we're talking about the gospel in the sense of what is the Lord commanding? He's commanding his promises. He's commanding his desire for them to be in unity. He's commanding his blessings so that they would have life forevermore. And so behold, why do we need to be united? Because we're seeking the same thing. We're seeking life forevermore. We have been chosen as God's people, and we're looking to rejoice as the people of God in what he's commanded and promised us. 
So oh, one, well, one of the other thoughts that I had with this, you know, you were, you were talking about how people might say, well, this isn't, you know, directly talking about unity, connecting to God's word, et cetera. But the whole context of God's word draws us back to the fact that it is God's word and it is God's sacrament that produces the unity in the church. Paul makes that point in, in Ephesians, for one example. And Jesus says in John 6, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus makes it very clear that he is the fulfillment of this. He is the one who brings unity through his word, through his sacrament. And so we're, we're looking not just at Psalm 133. We're looking at the cross references that take us throughout scripture that remind us of this is a short psalm. <laughs> It's a beautiful psalm, but it's a short psalm, and we have to connect that to other parts of Scripture in order to, to see where does this go? What's the application of this in my lives? We have two illustrations, but what's the application of those illustrations in my life? There's a lot, I think, that we could really connect to this uh, short psalm, and I think ultimately those two illustrations, you think of Jesus speaking about his parables and how these connected, and in the the person living in the Middle East is going to totally relate to this because of what the oil and the dew mean for their livelihood and for the comfort. I see so much comfort from the illustrations about what the Lord promises and blesses about unity. Again, it's always going to be in his word. Where the children of Israel were not united, it was very uncomfortable. They were very <laughs> um, scattered as far as sheep goes. And yet here the Lord promises as his sheep, he is blessing us in a good and pleasant way by living together through his word in unity. Again, with the full context of what's happening in verses two and three. Well, it's a good thing that we tried to do this with a short psalm instead of a long psalm. Yeah, we would be toast otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, there's a lot more I think we could say, but I know we're both constrained on time today, but um, I enjoyed this. And yeah, I thank you for your time today. I think we could go a lot more in-depth into some of the Hebrew there, and I would definitely will try to do that before I write the devotion. Um, but I appreciate your time today, Nathaniel. Thank you. Yeah, and hopefully this is something that came across. This, this does give you a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain when Neil and I get together and do our psalm study of some of the things that we do and, and how we do it and how we break it down and why we do it that way in order to look at our cross-references, to, to go into the Hebrew or the Greek if it's in the New Testament, uh, to bring out the law and the gospel, to see where these things go and hopefully that hopefully that's helpful to you in your own study of god's word too to to get a little glimpse of of what bible study looks like for a pastor and as they they prepare to do devotions for for members or shut-ins or whoever it happens to be so yeah thank you for your time today and uh, continued blessings to you all and comfort we have in christ and may he continue to teach us to be united in his word and the joy that that brings as we read about today Blessings on your day today. Thank you again for joining us at Burden Blessing. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.